Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 20th day of February 2015. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, We Agnostics. We are on page 53. We will be starting with the second and third paragraph when we became alcoholics. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Elizabeth F.D., the 12 Traditions, Lauren S., and then our readers are Diane B., Sharon H., Charles H., and Devorah S. And our share code for Thursday, the 19th of February, is 7341. 7341. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Elizabeth F.D. to read the 12 steps for us, please. Thank you. This is Elizabeth F.D., a recovered compulsive overeater from Northern Virginia. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
try to carry this message to com other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me be of service. Pat. Thank you, Elizabeth F.D. And I will now ask Lauren S. to read the 12 traditions, please. Thank you. Lauren S. from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be anonymous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose. They carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those who serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Lauren S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We are on page 53 in the chapter, We Agnostics. We will be reading paragraphs 2 and 3, starting when, when we became alcoholics, ending with, to lose our support, the first paragraph is for context, and we will be commenting on the second paragraph. And Diane B., could you begin reading for us, please? 
star one to unmute Diane. We can't hear you. Diane, star one to unmute. Okay. Sharon H., could you read for us instead? Are you there? Thank you, Monica. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. Okay, and I begin when when we became alcoholics who did not like to lose our support. Uh, When we became alcoholics through to lose our support. Correct. Two paragraphs. Thank you. Thank you. This is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Sharon H. in Colorado. Uh, When we became alcoholics, crushed by a self-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or evade. We had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? Arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. We couldn't bet the issue. Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. The outlines and the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. Friendly hands had stretched out in welcome. We were grateful that reason had brought us so far, but somehow we couldn't quite step ashore. Perhaps we had been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile and we did not like to lose our support. Um, you know, we, we uh, read this uh, first paragraph yesterday, and that was the point that I had to get to. All of my self-powered resources were failing, and they had failed over and over and over again. And uh, I just reached that desperate place when I could not stop. I wanted to stop, and I could not stop. And even when I desperately wanted to, and that is a very lonely place to be, that's for sure, just like it describes in the big book. My human reasoning no longer worked. Could these recovered people be speaking the truth? Could a higher power in following these spiritual steps set me free from the bondage of food addiction? Was I willing to set aside that last bit of reason and um, be willing to accept what they freely offered and they were recovered and they were living in freedom? And God only knows why it took me so long um, because I've been around this program for a long time and I could get absent, but I wasn't able to stay recovered. So I am just so grateful that this lays out exactly what we need to do. And I did come in with the um, tired eyes. Um, I came in very cynical. I thought I've been around a long time. I've done the steps this way and that way, and, you know, nothing works. But for me, it was hearing the doctor's opinion and finally seeing the absolute truth for what it was that I did have in regards to this uh, Compulsive eating, a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and nothing, nothing but a higher power and a willingness to lay down the food and start to work these steps the way they're beautifully outlined and very specifically outlined in this book would make all the difference. 
and it has. And so I am so grateful for that. And I am so grateful to be a part of this um, OA Recovery Vision for You phone line meeting every day. And uh, welcome to all of you out on the line. It will work for all of us. It truly will. Works for me. It will work for anyone. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Monica. Thank you, Sharon H. And who would like to comment on this? And B. Paragraph. And B. Okay. Anybody else? That was Diane B. Oh, Diane. I'm sorry. <laughs> Diane. Yes. <laughs> there you Okay, somebody else just woke up. Leslie F. Larissa M. Wait a minute. Leslie F. Larissa M. And Vasa. Okay. Katie. Vasa. Katie who? Katie who? Katie F. Katie F. Janice. Janice, did I hear you? You did hear me, Janice. Okay. All right. I've got a good group here. Let's start with this. All right. It's going to be Diane B. and then Leslie F. Larissa, Vasa, Katie, and Janice. Diane, you're up. Hi. Sorry about that. My phone, I don't know what happened with my phone. Anyway, so what I was going to say about this was that um, when it says that we walked over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith, bridge of reason to me is where I go with my higher power because before I had recovery, um, I lived in a world of insanity And insanity is a lack of reason, not being able to tell the truth from the false. When I came to believe in a higher power who could guide me and I turned my will and my life, I do turn my will and my life over to that power every day, then I'm in the the spiritual realm. Um, And then again it says the new land. So this is the same place for me. And so when it says reason with a capital R for me, and I have these things circled in my book, it's because that, to me, is my higher power. And um, that the la- it says the last mile, we did not like to, to lose our support. For me, that's like taking a leap of faith. And um, very quickly, I'll tell a story of what happened to me. Last year, I was in Hawaii, and my three children, who are teenagers, wanted to go zip lining, And I was like, no, I don't think so. And they said, yeah, Mom, let's go, let's go. The moment that I had to step off that platform for me was that leap of faith. I had to let go of reason, small r, and move into the realm of reason, go over that bridge of reason, capital R, and just let it go and just trust in my higher power. And and so I went ziplining, <laughs> which I never thought I would ever do. But um, this paragraph right here talks to me as about taking that leap of faith and moving from my old insane life, which did not work for me, and moving into a life free of self-sufficiency, free of a lack of reason. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Diane B. And Leslie F., you're up, and then it will be Larissa. Good morning. This is, excuse me, this is Leslie F. It's early. Um, uh, Thank you for your service, and good morning to everyone. I'm Leslie F. from Frank from Illinois. Um, Arriving at this point, well, how did I arrive here? I arrived here because my life had become so miserable, and I became so desperate that I was willing to even open my mind. And 
um, I get on this lifeboat, I get on the bridge, and because there at last is hope. And I go across, and I start working the program, and what's driving me and what's pushing, you know, why I'm doing the oars and getting across is because I was so desperate. And desperation, we've heard before, is a gift because it it drove me forward. And then something happened. I got abstinent. I got more comfortable in my body. I, I wasn't as miserable in everything, and there were people, fellowship in my life. I wasn't so desperate anymore. And that was my problem. I lost the gift and the memory of the desperation. And when you lose that, You lose that impulse to go ahead. I didn't get off on the other shore because I couldn't finish it because I was, you know, it was convenient. It was good. Things were good, good enough. Um, And I forgot the desperation. You know, we have that mental blank spot. I just forgot the desperation. So ultimately, what happens? Relapse. And so until I can... Remember the pain and misery and the desperation of life in the disease and remember it and burn that in my brain, then I won't continue forth to follow through now that I have, I see what's on the other shore. But uh, it's going to take a few extra strokes to get there. I have to have the willingness to do that, to go through this, through with this, and and remember that desperation is a gift, and convenience, and comfort, when we start out, is not a gift. We need to stay motivated. I needed to know that there was more ahead of me a greater recovery, a greater serenity than just feeling a little more comfortable in my body, just having a few friends to call now, not being isolated. These are wonderful things. But if I get comfortable, if I get too comfortable, it's not going to push me forward, and I always need to be going forward. I always need to be moving on to the next step and increasing my spirituality and my faith. Um, So I I wish you all increase spirituality and faith. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Leslie F. Larissa M., you're up, and then it'll be Vasa. Good morning, visionaries. Um, My name is Larissa. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in the suburbs of New York. Um, really grateful to be on the line this morning. Um, I love the reference to God was either nothing or he was everything. Um, I came into these rooms a worshiper of science, logic, reason, and intellect, and I mocked people of faith and thought they were morons, and I debated them, and um, I had no spirituality. I had no concept of God. If there was a God, he most certainly didn't give a hoot about me. And um, that was a way to live. It was a way of living that required that I had an escape valve because I didn't know how to handle life on life's terms. And it required that I turn to shoving food into my body 
as a means of coping with life. And so it was a choice to have God be nothing. Um, when I came into these rooms and I learned to find a concept of God, which is my own conception of God, um, I am blessed to have been told by a sponsor very early on that my higher power could be anything I needed to heal that day. So I have a all-powerful shape-shifting God that morphs into whatever is needed and wanted for my healing. And when I stepped on that bridge away from reason um, and, and took a leap of faith into believing that the universe could bring me healing and love, um, it started to manifest itself in my life. Um, so I have days where the God of my understanding is very paternal, wise and sage and can protect me and look out for me. I have days where my God is very maternal, where I just need unconditional love, like a warm mommy hug. I have days where God is the beauty in nature all around me or the brilliance in science. I can now see the God in all that logic that um, I used to worship previously. And my favorite version of God is a bottomless pool of love and truth. And I truly believe that when I do that, which is loving and honest with myself and others, then I'm in alignment with God. Um, but it is miraculous to me that, um, that my higher power is able to sort of take an arrogant, self-centered wretch like me who didn't even want to believe in its existence and morph me into a being who will do nothing in my life without seeking the guidance and direction of the God of my understanding today. And this way of life, this choice of making God everything, um, is infinitely more beautiful. It gives me a life that is happy, joyous, and free instead of one that was misery and depression. And um, the miracle is it just took that little kernel of me being willing to believe um, that God could be everything that opened the door for him to become everything. Um, thank you so much for letting me share this other text. Thank you, Larissa. Next is Vasa, and then it'll be Katie. Thank you. Good morning, all. I'm Vasa, a recovered compulsive reader from Florida. So good to be here at the meeting this morning with all of you. Uh, yeah, arriving to this point, all my power and resources and will and control had failed me up to this point. I was beat. I was this was my last place to come to and try. It gave me hope where I lost hope. I was so desperate. I was so, so desperate, and I was just so, so willing to find something finally and to give me hope. And I was ready to surrender and take that leap. Once I made commitment to to my higher power, to put the put the food in in his in his in his hands, and I started my abstinence from that night, and and stayed away from my I was staying from my allergy foods maybe a week before that, but I didn't have really clean abstinence. I was still eating, but I was just staying away from the sugars before I came to my first meeting for one week. My life started getting better physically, gradually, you know. Uh, I kept on going to God, please don't let me go to those 
foods that are toxic to me. And I came for the physical, and I was given that gift. You know, I lost the weight within six months. It was really hard at the beginning because I was tempted. I wanted to go, but God helped me get through those temptations. So, and and then again, when I came to the program, I was going to leave the program once I lost the weight. I thank God I kept on hearing every time I went to the meetings and I the reading the big book, and I kept on hearing it's physical, emotional, and spiritual. It, you know, it's like a stool. I have to be balanced in those three areas. And that's what I kept on, that's what I did, and that's what I keep doing. I'm just so grateful that I found a higher power that loves me, that I didn't have that love for myself, and I do have that love today. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. And KDF, you're up, and then it'll be Janice. Thank you. Hi, this is KDF, a recovered reader in Pittsburgh. So I arrived at this point of being crushed by a self-imposing crisis. Uh, We were squarely confronted with the question of whether God is everything or God is nothing, and am I going to take that leap from my own reasoning to, okay, I don't know, something seems to be working in other people. And I was cornered by asking myself, if God is nothing, what what type of life do I have? I mean, I'm compulsively overeating, acting out at work. I'm miserable and depressed. I feel unhappy. I feel useless. All of the developments are true in my life. If all I have to rely on is myself. You know, maybe there's some times when it's, it seems like, oh, it's not that bad, but when I really evaluate what's going on, I'm having trouble in my personal relationships. I can't make a living. I can't really even work besides completely being fueled the entire time by food. And then I look at my life, if God is everything, and the fear falls away. That empty hole that I have in the center of my chest that I'm trying to fill, it's filled. I I don't have a need to compulsively overeat. And I feel happiness that comes from a steady, life's okay, I'm going to be okay, whatever's happening. It doesn't mean that life's perfect. Things happen. but I can face them. So I look at my life with this choice of, well, I can go down the road of destruction and, you know, compulsive overeating, or I can take a chance at what life looks like for some other people who have made this leap already. And even though I don't have, you know, I can't, I can't see it. I mean, I can see it in other people, but it's not this tangible thing. I need to move forward on faith. And it's that leap of faith that God shows up and catches me, and I begin to have that experience and believe. So thanks for letting me share that. Thank you, KDF. Janice, you're up, Janice. 
Yes, thank you, Monica, and thank you to everyone. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Yeah, step two, you know, great place to be arriving at this point to be, to have no choice of nothing else to do. My reasoning didn't work. My self-sufficiency didn't work. My reliance on other things didn't work. Now I'm confronted. What am I going to do? I had to face up to the deal that I have a problem. Now what am I going to do? You know, it says here, I love this, squarely confronted with the question of faith. Well, there it is, a willingness. I'm not going to have faith right away. Faith doesn't come in, in, uh, to a lot of us in step two. It starts with the beginning before the faith. We have to have a, I had to have a willingness to believe. Belief comes that maybe I can do this. Maybe, you know, I see the love in the eyes and the, and the voices of other people in, in my fellowship of OA that something happened to them. And, and 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 they said the same thing as me that they you know I was running my own show and it didn't work, so it's a great place to be. So now I couldn't duck the issue. That means you know I was going back and forth and I was going to be punched if I. I mean I couldn't duck the issue. It was um, it, it just wouldn't happen on me because I was the god of reason. I was. Um, that was that was me. I was playing God. That's why it's capitalized because it was me. But see, that didn't even work. <laughs> that didn't work. So, but when I came to the fellowship, and I saw the love in a lot of the recovered people's eyes, and on this line here, heard the voices. There was something. There was something in it. And you know, they would tell my story. And I would say, gee, well, they did the same thing as me. Now what's the difference? Well, they started with a willingness to believe. That's how it starts, to believe that I can get recovered, because you got recovered, so perhaps I could get recovered. So the changes that I saw helped me to at least begin to believe that there's something here other than me, because it, it just couldn't happen, because I was not God. And... Um, that was it. It was very, very clear to me it, it, that the, the things that I was using um, didn't work. So there has to be something else. So the faith in the end um, it will bring us to a solution. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. And I'm going to say ditto, ditto to that. And would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Anita J. Anita J. Larry. Okay. Anybody else? Kim. Kim. Okay, Anita J, Larry, no, Anita J, Larry K, and Kim. Anita, you're up. Hi, this is Anita J. Um, really grateful to be recovered in um, the state, the snowy state of Massachusetts. I, I first wanted to talk about the bridge, but that isn't what I really want to talk about. It's the getting off of the bridge. I've been on that bridge for so many years, thinking that I had arrived, but you have to get off of it. I guess it's like landing in a plane and never getting out. And that was the key, and I didn't even know it until I did it. And it feels like there was this hymn I want that 
very popular, but it was there's a sentence in it that is a phrase that just says, just as I am. And that's what happened as I look at it. And it happened on the lines. I know vision isn't isn't the end all and be all, but it was for me. It it put me gave me the willingness to get off that bridge and uh, stop watching the people on the shore that uh, I couldn't quite belong. And that's one of my triggers my whole life when I do the, did the uh, inventory, feeling on the outside, looking in. Why can't I have that? Why can't I? I'm not part of the good people. And guess who was holding me on the bridge? Nobody but Anita. And um, looking back, I just see that I took that leap several months after being being with you all, which started in January of last year. I heard about that set-aside prayer and said, yes, that's what I did. That's what I did. I left everything I knew on that bridge. If I want it, I'll go back and get it. But what I've discovered on shore, why would I? Why would I ever go back? And I find now the key to it, because I know it's a day at a time. I'm very aware of it, and it's been service. It's been service a way I never did in the 30-plus years I was in this program. And um, it's this willingness to do it. It's just an unbelievable way of being. I'm glad I live long enough to find it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita J. Larry Kay, you're up. And then Kim. Thanks, Monica. I'm Larry Kay. I'm a covered compulsive reader. Um, thanks for your service. So this paragraph lures me into, you know, to examine the idea of faith at a deeper level and you know, the implication is that, you know, wherever I am today spiritually as a human being, you know, I, but I'm, I'm essentially wired to have faith, you know. The mere fact that we can even contemplate and discuss this notion of faith in anything, you know, beyond ourselves is, is evidence enough for me that as a human being, I'm capable of spiritual growth. You know, from a, a tiny, almost um, imperceptible seed of faith in a force more powerful than me, you know, has grown day by day, not, not overnight, um, through, through the practice of these steps into a mature God consciousness, from self-centeredness to God-centeredness. And, you know, I was thinking that, you know, if you've ever seen, if you've ever, ever had the opportunity to see the, the, the huge redwood trees, you know, in Northern California, Oregon, um, these, these sequoias, they're the tallest trees in the world. And, and these trees can live, you know, to an age of about 3,000 years old, I, I understand. And, you know, they're towering. They're mesmerizing. If you ever stood by these, you know, heights of over 300 feet tall, bark that's like three feet thick. I mean, it's, it's truly amazing to stand before that. And yet a full-grown redwood tree was produced by a seed so tiny that, that a million of those seeds, you know, might weigh maybe eight pounds. You could hold it in your hand, a bag of them. And that, my friends, is, is representative of the potential trajectory of, of our faith. And it was trust for me because, you know what, that redwood tree 
you think it's uh, it's experienced a few storms in in the two three thousand years? Yeah, just like we have. You know, we we weathered the storm, but we are wired for this faith, the faith that works. And for me, I, I don't know why it took these steps, these action steps, to bring me to that place where now there's this towering redwood tree that resides within me, this faith that I didn't. I didn't uh, bring about myself, but that nonetheless, that's the exist. That's, that's what I'm experiencing. And so that's what I share. You know, that's what it took for me was to work some action steps because it is action after all. It's not sitting in the, you know, sitting in the, in, in, in the audience watching because watching wouldn't get me uh, to this place where I, can, where I have a message to carry. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Kim, you're up. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And I'm going to talk about the capitalization of reason. You know, we had a great question right before the meeting started about what that meant. And I just want to encourage people, I don't know if you're just listening to the recording, that we do have a second hour of this meeting, and during that hour we can ask questions. So I just want to encourage anyone who doesn't know that. It's a great place to ask some questions in our second hour. So what is, why is it capitalized? Because capitalization infers um, worship. It infers that's what you worship. So it's letting us know, yes, we do worship something. You know, whatever is our God, think of it this way. Wherever we go and we're afraid, that is our higher power. So I was, who was my God? They talk about in Vision for You, King Alcohol, capitalized, because that is what I worshipped. And the other thing I worshipped was reason. I'm smart. I can figure this out. Don't need any help from anybody. I'm self-sufficient. I'm going to pull myself up in my bootstraps. Just give me the instructions. I mean, my prejudice was I, my mom was in way when I was a kid. I come in. I'm, I'm like, okay, my mom's not as smart as I am. There's 12 steps, 12 weeks, I am out of here. Because I can figure this out. Almighty Kim can figure this out with reason. So if, if alcohol is my God, which is what it was, what does that mean? It means every decision in my life was made on food. The way I drove to work was decided by what fast food restaurants I could go by. We've had all this snow, and, you know, people would go out, and they would get their, their milk and their eggs. Well, I need my Doritos and my Ding Dongs, because that's going to get me through the snowstorm. Every decision was made by alcohol, and when I was abstinent especially, I was reasoning. What am I going to figure out? How am I going to do this? What diet am I going to do? What gym am I going to join? What boyfriend's going to help me to stop eating? What people, places, and things can I avoid, or what people, places, and things do I need to get so that, so that I can be abstinent? It's that bridge of reason. I'm going to figure it out. You know, um, Larry alluded to action. Look where your actions are. You know, I remember being bed bound four years ago, so broken with my legs and in so much pain, and thinking I'm just going to pee in my bed because I cannot get up off this bed and, and go to the bathroom. So I'm just going to pee in the bed. But five minutes later, I want my binge foods, and I will get up, and as much pain as I'm in, I go and get my binge foods. And let me tell you, that bathroom was half the distance it was to my kitchen to get my binge foods. That's because God, I mean, food was my higher power. And we're going to see, in the next paragraph, reason becomes not capitalized. Because as we open our minds, as we realize worshiping food and worshiping reason 
has gotten us to the place that we are actually attending a group called Overeaters Anonymous. And because of that, I'm going to be opened up to another idea of what a power is. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And with that, we are going to move on to the next paragraph. And Charles, would you read for us, please? Hi, thank you, Monica T. It's Charles H. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. Uh, That was natural. But let us think a little more closely. Without knowing it, had we not uh, been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith, for did we not believe in our own reasoning? Did we not have confidence in our ability to think? What was that but a sort of faith? Yes, we had been faithful, objectively faithful to the God of reason. So in one way or another, we discovered that faith had been involved all the time. Once again, my name is Charles H. A recovered visionary just for today. And... um. Yeah, without knowing it, without knowing it, uh, reason, the the, the reason in those, the the three times that it says reason in the paragraph prior to me reading, um, for me was fear and self-will. And I thank God for for my my self-will and fear that last mile, and we did not like to lose our support. I thank God for it because it brought me to, where I'm at today, and um, let's see here, what do I see, yeah, the God of reason, uh, thank God for, for, for the God of reason, my reasoning destroyed me, uh, my self-will and my fear ran my life forever, um, and I'm just grateful to, to be like, you know, 12 or 1 a.m., I don't know, I don't know what to do. I just know I got to dial this number, and I got to get in, and I got to listen, and listen, learn to listen, and 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 the purpose of um the purpose of my life right now is to get to be a, a trusted servant, and not just in OA, in all my affairs, um, and because that's what my God tells me to do. So down my path. That's all I got. Thank you, Charles. And who would like to comment on this paragraph? Chrissy M. Chris. Chrissy M. Say, Chrissy? Yes. Can you hear me? Chris, yes, I can hear you. Just my ears don't work mm-hmm. so well sometimes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chrissy M. Anybody else? All right. Chrissy, go ahead. I am Chrissy M. Recovered, compulsive overeater, and anorexic from New Jersey in 40 degree Florida today. I, um, I'm so grateful to hear this, this paragraph. This is something that has always resonated with me was when it's read that we let go apps we have to let go of our old ideas and the result is nil until we let go absolutely and that is my reason my my will or is my thoughts my will and my life is my thoughts and my actions i love when i heard that cuz it, it broke it down so simply to me and the things that I thought and the ways that I acted were all based on a very, very limited belief system. It was my own. And when I came here and I was beaten down and I was told that I had to let go absolutely to my 
ideas. It wasn't that confusing. I knew what my ideas were. My ideas were everything that I thought, everything that I did previously. So it was really simple. I had to I had to change everything or die. And you know, not everybody's willing to do that unless it, it's the life or death. And I do believe that it is life or death because I did I was among the living dead until I came here, and I do feel alive um, now, very, very early in my recovery, and just so grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Christy M. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Ronnie. Julie R. Ronnie. Leia. Julie R. Leia. Anybody else? Okay. Ronnie, you're up, and then Julie R. Okay, thanks. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Ronnie. Um, in um, Pennsylvania, uh, compulsive overeater. What what I have found, you know, when I read this paragraph, I was so stopped up at this idea that until I had a perfect idea of my higher power, I really couldn't proceed past step number three. And um, so I just sort of decided to put God a little bit to the side and say, okay, I believe in something. Right now it's this sponsor standing before me, or it is the group when I come in, or it's something else, I'm not really sure. What happened is that steps four through nine is where my God revealed himself to me. So the process of taking action, just based on that little germ of being willing to believe something, God showed me what God was. And it was possible for me, like if I'm going to turn over everything to God, God even wants me, my God, even wants me to turn over my ideas of God. It's like, just give that to me too. Okay, you don't know what I am? I gotcha. Give that to me too. And steps four through nine began to reveal who my God is. And it still had some of the macro sense of what I believed God was that I brought with me into steps one, two, and three, but it became much more nuanced and really personal. And the more nuanced and personal, the more real it became. <clears throat> so that today I can say that my desires for myself feel like they are really the other end of the same stick of what God's desires are for me. And that is an absolute miracle. And when, you, when we get to step 12, it's like having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. So I had a faith in God in steps one, two, three, but it was awakened through doing the steps. And once it awoke, it began to take form that I just have to stand back and be blown away by it. That's all God asked me to do. It's like, it's like he's going, okay, you got to see what I'm going to do next. Girl, you are not going to believe how I'm going to blow your mind now. And, and it, it's, it's actually that light and that joyful and that fun. But what really moves me is that if I can just have a seed in step three, and then if I actually do the work, um, I never did the work between four and nine. I thought that those were suggestions of the program because everything just got all muddled in my mind. And um, so today I, I have this working definition of God, but it's even more of a working feeling of God and a working certainty of God. And it's my God, and it's not the same as someone else's God, but I can guarantee anybody listening, if you do those steps, you too will have a spiritual awakening to who your God is. Uh, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Ronnie. Julie R., you're up, and then Leah. 
Thanks, Monica. This is Julie R. in uh, Northern California. We covered compulsive overeater. And, you know, that, that first sentence, did we not have confidence in our ability to think? I mean, I, I think I'm a fairly bright woman. I, I have, I'm in a leadership team. I, I work with people all over the world. I'm in the aerospace market. But yet, food was the one that controlled me. And in between, you know, the, the cycle, the binging, the purging, the cleaning up after the binges, thinking about my next binge, feeling horrible after my next binge. You know, my great spirit was right there waiting, waiting for me to look. And, um, you know, it was something that Larry said about the, the trees here. And I know I was on one of my walks surrounded by these trees that are 300 feet high. And it was just after one of those, you know, 10-day binges, and it's like, God, where are you? And I was, I could be filled at any moment with the presence of God. And when I saw that I was in this self-imposed prison, that I was making these decisions, I could also say the decision is, God, I'm done with this, and I need you. And when I did this, after I had that relapse last year, it was horrifying. And, you know, I had been almost 300 pounds before, and I was on my way back. And all I had to do was stop and hold out my hand, and my God was right there. My God never left me. So, you know, and I'm not religious. I am spiritual. So... I have a different God than a lot of the other people, but my God was faithful for me and was always there. I just had to stop and open my eyes and wait. But, you know, I couldn't do that when I was shoving all that food, when I was rapidly gaining weight. Thank God I still was attending meetings. You know, that's what God did for me. He kept on putting strong, recovered people in my life daily that did not shun me and that worked a strong away program. You know, some of them from this meeting, some from other meetings, some from face-to-face meetings. And, you know, that was my God and work. So if there's anybody out there, you know, you, you don't have to sit there and be in prayer for six hours a day or get on your knees or, or go to a physical building. I mean, everybody has a different God. And all I know is that my God was there during the whole eight months I was in relapse and had his hands, her hands on me. And I just had to stop. So that'll pass. Thank you, Julie R. Leah, you're up. Thanks so much, Monica. Good morning, everybody. It's Leah, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Yes, we had been faithful, abjectly faithful to the God of Reason. You know, I had been brought up in a very intellectual atmosphere, one of great self-sufficiency and self-reliance. You know, my father was a genius. He was very very good at thinking things through, and and that's, you know, the way I thought I had to uh, live my life and wrestle with this disease. But, you know, having depended on my own strength and any intellect that I could muster up to... uh, to conquer this illness on my own, I just ended up with increased suffering and incredible misery. You know, this disease continued to progress as I continued to try to, uh, 
you know, wrestle and think my way out of it, and there was no thinking my way out of this illness. You know, I felt checkmated by myself and beaten by my own ego, and I was self-destructing by my own hand under the guise of seeking ease and comfort. I mean, it was incredible emotional turmoil and mental torture because all my efforts, and there had been much determination and motivation to conquer this illness, all of those efforts based on self had resulted in my disease progressing because I was constantly confronted by this demonic power of compulsive overeating. Compulsive overeating was a greater power than my mind. So, you know, it wasn't any virtue. I came here crawling. (laughs) I came here crawling, being bloodied, uh, you know, by this illness. And that illness, that pain, dethroned my intellect and my self-sufficiency in favor of the unknown. Because I had been beaten into a state of reasonableness. And this humility through that beating uh, forced me out of great pain, you know, pain is the greatest motivator to effectuate change. This great pain uh, forced me to defer to a power that was greater than myself. I had no idea what that power was exactly, but I accepted the possibility that there was another way because I saw the results. I saw the messengers who carried a message of depth and weight. They were standing on the shore of faith. And then, you know, this kernel of allowing me permitted my mind to experience that there could be something else. That message was a message of hope. I didn't have to carry this burden of overcoming my illness by myself. You know, the big book tells me when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. And by reestablishing my right relationship with this power, which was unknown to me, Uh, I was reestablished in my right relationship with my mind and in my body. I was recreated. I was reborn. Was it a leap? Absolutely, it was a leap. All growth is a leap in the dark without benefit of one's experience. But despite my crippled belief system, you know, I jumped. I jumped. What were my choices? Continued uh, insanity or a life of freedom? (laughs) There was no door number three, let's say. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Leah. And uh, this is Monica. And just for a moment, yeah, did I understand here at this point in reading and going through this with my, with my sponsor, We Agnostic, step two, did I understand God? No, I did not. Do I have to have an understanding? Do I have to have this all figured out? No. Thank you, God. All I needed was that I was in a corner and I was screwed And my way, my God of food did not work. My God of reason did not work. Was I willing to try something else? And I said, yes. And I said, okay, do the steps, Monica. And in the process of doing steps four through nine, you will discover this, this, this God, this higher power will be revealed to you. Thank you, it has. And with that, let's, we've come to the end of our meeting here this morning. And I want to thank everyone who shared. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Devorah, can you read for us, please, from a vision for you? Yes, thank you so much. Hi, Monica. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you, 